You're listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast, a show where introverts share their success and failure stories and discuss how they thrive in the digital age. I'm your host, Godwin Chan. Let's begin. Episode 14 of the Digital Introverts Podcast features Mahesh Velanki, an expert in e-commerce and marketplace growth. Mahesh is the co-founder and head of growth for Rally. In this role, he drives supply, demand, and overall community growth, leading business development, community, operations, marketing, communications, and customer service functions. Prior to founding Rally, he served as a venture capitalist at Redpoint Ventures from 2012 through 2018 where he led growth investments in the consumer internet, e-commerce, online education, fintech, and healthcare spaces. Before joining Redpoint, Mahesh was an investment banker at Citi, where he worked on IPO and M&A transactions in the consumer internet space with companies such as Zillow, Facebook, and Groupon. He was named the Forbes 30 Under 30 VC list in 2016 and the LinkedIn Top Voices list, also 2016, for his writing on the technology industry. Mahesh is a graduate from the University of Maryland with a bachelor's degree in finance. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to the Digital Introverts Podcast. Today we have Mahesh Velanki uh, from San Francisco. Welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Godwin. Fantastic. And I know, you know, we've had kind of uh, our previous conversation about, you know, about the show and about kind of digital uh, you know, introverts, introversion in particular. So I really wanted to get your, your, your thoughts on that. You know, what do you think it means to be a digital introvert? Basically that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can at least answer what, what I think it means to be an introvert. And, and for me, okay. that definition is, you know, that you get drained around a lot of people and you get your energy from, from being more on the alone side of things versus around a lot of people and you know extroversion being being the opposite. I don't know how that stands up in the you know the current uh, the latest and greatest research in the field of psychology, but that's you know certainly my interpretation of it. And I think you know I think digital introversion is kind of an extension or a manifestation of of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. And and you know I know you know we've had kind of you know discussion about a lot of uh, different things that that you've done kind of you know different career paths you you you've been on through and i think that it's you know really fascinating as you know in, in terms of being in, in finance first and then going into venture capital and then um now as a, as an you know turning into an operator and so you know i know i guess in in, in particular in vc in particular i know that it's can be very very extroverted industry in a sense Right, where you have to talk to lots of people, we have to talk to lots of founders, um, things like that. So, you know, really just wondering how did you manage to circumnavigate that? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question and, and one I ask myself from time to time. Uh, I definitely identify as an introvert. I'm, I'm definitely somebody who grew up gaming all the time, reading all the time, just always in my own head. That being said, I think I was, I was lucky in that my, you know, my, my immigrant family is very raucous and there's a lot of there's always a lot of people around so i think i got used to being around a lot of people at an early age uh, on some level but yeah you're, you're absolutely right i started my career in finance as an investment banker it was a very extroverted field a lot of chest pounding type of people folks who could really own a room and thrive being in a 
you know, in, in a large setting and being kind of the center of attention. So it was definitely interesting. Uh, you know, from, from there, I moved on to venture capital, where, as you said, it's sure it's, there's a lot of thoughtfulness to it and a lot of kind of behind the scenes analysis. But a lot of the job is just getting out there, meeting tech CEOs, meeting other investors, just, just kind of putting yourself out there, which is, uh, was definitely a, a, a learning for me. And then I've, you know, I spent five or six years doing that and I switched over to the operating side uh, where, again, it's a very, very different experience where I think it's, it's a lot less extroverted and, and probably more, more in line with this kind of digital introversion theme that you mentioned. Mm-hmm, right. And so, yes, a bit of a curious question about it now that I've thought about it. I guess, was there a particular phase in your career that you enjoyed the most and, which, and, and enjoyed the least? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can for sure say the, the point I enjoyed the least was my time in investment banking. I think, look, you're, you're, you're bottom of the totem pole, all the, you know, all the crap is sort of rolling downhill on, on you. And so naturally, it's, uh, I was working 100 plus hours a week and just trying to build any sort of skill set. <laughs> so that was certainly the least favorite. I think, you know, I've really, I really enjoyed parts of my venture capital tenure. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of interest. It's just a very interesting place to be. You get to see a lot of different things, a lot of different ideas and companies, and you kind of go a, an inch deep and a mile wide, right? You get to see a lot, which is, which is great if you're an intellectually curious person like me. So, but, but in terms of what my favorite part of my career has been, I think it's been on the operating side. It's, it's definitely difficult and challenging and, 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 and very, very you know, hard. I have a lot of respect for, you know, for entrepreneurs, any entrepreneur. But it's, it's also very fulfilling, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're building stuff, we're hands-on, we believe in the mission, we care, you know, care more about the, the team that we're on, which is you know, very, very different from, from venture capital. So it's definitely hard to compare those two. <laughs> For sure. And what made you uh, make the jump, really, from, from investing to operating? Yeah, I, you know, it's, I started my career in, in banking, working with really big companies, helping to take them public. As I moved down towards venture, I was working with growth stage companies and then earlier and earlier and earlier stage companies down to like, you know, seed series A stage. And so I was, you know, just getting that, that itch, that bug of, of, of uh, uh, technology and entrepreneurship and helping companies grow and build and to do something impactful. And so, you know, once you, you kind of been there, done that in venture capital, sure, there's a course and speed path there. And I think that's, that's interesting for a lot of people. Uh, but for me, I just, I wanted to just keep getting to the root of what got me excited, which was uh, building something from the ground up, right? And, 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 and creating some impact, impact in the world. And it's hard, but it's, it's, it's definitely a lot, a lot of fun. Right, right. No, fantastic. And I, I, I can imagine, you know, you doing so. And now, you know, we've just around this, this, this question of running an organization and, and, and on the operating side. Now, you know, let's, let's just introduce it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, we've, we've talked about you know, you are the, the head of growth at, at, you know, this company called Rally. So I really, for the listeners out there, like, what is it? What, what is Rally and what are you guys trying to achieve? Yeah. So, so Rally is a forthcoming blockchain project, actually. And the goal is to build the most creator-friendly platform ever. Um, we'll have a lot of details in the coming months about what that means exactly. But in short, we're building an ecosystem um, that will offer online content creators, digital celebrities, uh, better economics, better, like a better platform for them to um, control their own fees and policies uh, and, and new economic incentives uh, and rewards and monetization for creators and the fans that they, they engage with. And so Rally is kind of the, the larger blockchain project behind what we're doing. Uh, and Taki is actually the first 
product that we're showcasing on top of Rally. Right. Now, I mean, you left the cat out of the bag, so what is Talkie? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so Talkie essentially is a platform that digital celebrities and artists can use to connect with their fans using personalized short-form videos. And so what that means is the use case is as simple as a quick birthday shout-out or a happy birthday, all the way to more personalized one-on-one messages that you know, we're, we're seeing things from instructional videos, tips and tricks, AMAs, um, all sorts of all sorts of crazy stuff that folks are doing on Taki. But at its core is a short form personalized video platform uh, that creators are using to earn supplemental income on the side and also engage with their fans in the, in the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we've discussed before how kind of this model that let's use it in, in Taki is, it, it is different from kind of other similar sites like cameo and patreon so what is exactly that difference and and you know how do you you know position yourself in in, in this kind of industry yeah no it's a, it's a good question you can think about us as like a mix between cameo and patreon and for for listeners who don't know what those platforms are you know cameo uh, sort of pioneered the short form um, shout out category um, pre- pretty recently, right? And so we kind of looked at that and said, hey, this is a really interesting kernel. This is a really interesting concept. There's a lot more potential for this thing for, for creators. And so really where we differentiate is, is on, on two points. Uh, one is we give the, the lion's share of the economics to the, to the actual creator. And so while sites like Cameo and others take upwards of 25% of the, the booking fee, we don't take anything as a company. So almost all of it goes to the creator net of you know, payment processing fees. That's point one. Uh, point two, and this gets to the, the you know, P- Patreon, which I mentioned, is think about a platform like Patreon, they're really focused on building tools for the creators to use. And so we think about it the same way. We're focused on building tools for the creators to make the, the actual short form video more interactive, deeper, richer, right? And, 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 and to extend the use case beyond just just shout outs and a, and a quick kind of generic hey hey how you doing to hey let me offer you something really unique let me offer something really unique to my community so if i'm a musician i might say hey upload some content of you playing the guitar and i will critique i will play the guitar critique your you know guitar playing and i'll i'll i'll, I'll give you a, basically a, a mini lesson right um and so th- that's the direction we're we're headed in with with Taki. Mm-hmm. And definitely fulfilling those uh, more kind of personalized uh, requests, I think, would be provide a very special, unique kind of experience for, you know, the fan or whoever is uh, receiving it. Right? And, and, and so you get that, I guess, builds that kind of deeper relationship right, with, uh, you know, or, or bond, if you will, between, between fan and creator. And then, you know, a fan will be incentivized to, to keep being a fan, a deeper fan of, of that creator and to really have that personal connection with them. Right? Yeah, you know, totally. If, if you think about it, most of these digital celebrities, they're, they're on YouTube, they're on TikTok, they're on Twitch, they're on these platforms where they're broadcasting to a whole bunch of people and they're hopefully collecting a sliver of advertising dollars that, that YouTube and TikTok or uh, you know, Twitch give them, but it, they, they have no real way to have that one-on-one interaction with folks. And that could be a, a high stakes kind of interaction anyways. It's like, it could be pretty daunting to have a, a video call or, or a, a direct line in with a, a random fan. And so with Taki, it's like we give, we give a way for creators to have that one-on-one personalized interaction, but in a way that's kind of low stakes, right? It's creators can do it from the comfort of their own home. Like they can do it asynchronously. They can redo the video if it, 
I'm happy with how it comes out. And so the whole experience was just, uh, creators have been really, you know, really enjoying it. I mean, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think of, for example, of creators looking to create uh, or connect with their fans through live streaming, for example. And I can see how, you know, this would be more attractive to, say, more introverted creators who, you know, may be hesitant on, on you know, doing a live stream in terms of just, you know, it is kind of spur of the moment. And, of course, you have to interact with a lot of people at the same time and it can get quite overwhelming. So I can see, again, if people are more, or creators are more inclined to, to have those one-on-one connections. It's easier. It's easier for both parties, actually. Yeah, it's, and I didn't, I didn't, I realize now I didn't fully explain how, how it works, but the way it works is, it's say you're a Twitch streamer, right? You go on Taki, you fill out your profile in your bio, you add, a, you add an intro video, and that's pretty much it. You go to your Twitch channel and you say, hey guys, I'm on Taki. I'm doing these, these, uh, these different, this different type of content over on, on Taki. I'm doing one-on-one personalized videos. If there's something that we can't get to during the stream, a lot of times people are asking questions in the, in the chat box and the stream doesn't have time to, to answer all these different questions. You could say, hey, you know, hit me up on Taki if you want advice on that game or if you want advice on how I played that character just now. And then a fan can go to Taki.app, Taki.app and find the streamer, book it, enter it in a text request for exactly what they want. And then boom, it's, it's you know, the transaction's done and, and the streamer can kind of do it on their own time over the coming days in terms of fulfilling the video. And so to your point in the streamer example, there's been a lot of introverted people, I, I would say, in that, that category. To give you an example, we have this streamer named Chewy Melodies, who's a actually a musician on Twitch. So, so he plays the keyboard and, 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 and the piano. And um, he acts like a certain way on stream. He's a little bit more rigid, a little bit more, more on point and professional because he's, he's, you know, he's, he's broadcasting, he's streaming to hundreds and hundreds of people. And we've seen him use Taki in a very different way. Like he, he really lets down his guard and has a lot of fun with it and dresses up in costume. It does a lot of silly stuff because it's, it's just lower pressure. It's for one fan and it's, it's not going to affect his career on Twitch and how he's using that platform. And so we see it, we see a lot of different use cases like that. Right. Right. And, and I guess that, that it's interesting because there, there are two parts to us. Like, you know, we alluded to it, but you know, what kinds of, what kinds of creators are you, are you attracting and, 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 and reaching out to? And the second is like, what kinds of requests are they fulfilling? Are they special requests? What are the most outrageous ones you've seen or <laughs> most interesting ones, or most highly creative ones that you wouldn't typically expect, you know, from a typical kind of fan creator interaction, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, to answer your question, we, we've got almost 200 different digital celebrities created. We use the term creators as an umbrella term. This is this is musicians, artists, athletes, UFC fighters. Uh, so we've got some of the biggest UFC fighters on the platform. Uh, two-time champion Daniel Cormier, for example. We've got athletes, NBA players, uh, football players. We've got a lot of Twitch streamers and kind of digitally native content creators on TikTok and YouTube. Uh, and then we've got musicians like Danny Warsnop and, and Yoandri and, and, and a few others. You know, that list is obviously uh, growing constantly. So that's a little bit of the, the roster looks like. But there's, there's a pretty fun list of examples. Daniel Cormier, who I mentioned, for example, does all his talkies for charity, right? So he, he's just like, hey, this all goes to charity. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this on behalf of this, this organization called Wrestling Prep. So that's, that's a nice one. That's a fun one. Uh, my personal favorite is we have this Korean-American rap duo called Year of the Ox. And I've heard they, of them. I've heard of them. Yeah. Oh, you have? 
they're super talented. I mean, they can just whip up freestyles. Like they're just super lyrically. There's they're 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 just amazing. And so they offered their community either I think it was an eight bar or sixteen bar diss track. Um, they said, hey, put in this information, put in the name of this person. Give like if you give us this information, we will spit out like a super authentic uh, diss track with our with a custom beat and everything. And they put that out there. I think they got like over a thousand dollars worth of orders in like an hour or something like that. And right. so took them a while, you know, to, over the, the coming week, they, they, they just put out a bunch of uh, interesting diss tracks, um, roasting people, just all, all sorts of, all sorts of ludicrous stuff. Uh, right. So that's a fun example. Uh, another one is actually just last week, we had this guy, this TikToker, uh, Dobby Bugless actually is, is his name. He's a, ta- he's an actual tattoo artist. And he did a giveaway where he said, Hey, whoever buys a talkie for me in the next week, and not only do you get a shout out from me, but you have a chance to win an actual tattoo from me. You just have to drive over to my tattoo parlor over in, over in Maryland. And he got like you know, dozens and dozens of orders because he's, he's got a cult following as this, this tattoo artist. And so we've seen people use Taki for giveaways. And um, I'd say the, the last category of things is just different um, kinds of skill-based things, almost like mini masterclasses. So if you're, if you're good at playing the guitar or if you're good at singing or you're you're a musician or or, or whatever you're you're a Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert just people asking for deeper instructional advice and and for for tutorials and tips and tricks and things like that okay wow i mean that, that that's really interesting that sounds uh yeah sounds you know it sounds like it's, it's a whole lot of fun for for both fan and creator right in the sense of uh, it, it's it's like a collective project if you will right where a fan submits a request creator fulfills that request and then the fan is able to share their interaction or keep it for themselves right in, in, in that way but, uh, yeah, yeah no there's there's definitely two use cases one is a gifting use case where it's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna get this video for somebody else or i'm gonna you know roast somebody or do something playful with somebody else and, and it'll be a video that i send to them um, but a lot of people um particularly you mentioned you mentioned introverted people you, you see a lot of people just just looking for motivation or support or, Hey, can you pump me up? I've got finals coming up. I've got my graduation day coming up next month, for example. Can you, can you, can you, can you say something to get me going or, or can you give me some advice? Cause I, I have this, like, I'm scared to talk to, talk to girls or I, you know, I said, whatever it is there, there, there's, um, we definitely get a, a good amount of, that type of like more motivational requests as well. Right. And, and kind of more, more, personal ones as well. It's just, you know, advice on, on different facets of life, I guess, you know, at, at kind of uh, every stage of vulnerability you can get, like, you know, in terms of how much you want to reveal or, or seek advice for. And I think that's really, really empowering just as a way to, yeah, no, just to, to see the person behind the profile, basically. Like you see your, your digital creators, your, your athletes, your celebrities, whoever, as these quote-unquote untouchable beings Right, that are, that are, it's not it's not very tangible, and then you come to and you interact with them on a personal level as real human beings, and it's just we're all the same. We just some people just have more, more people following them than others, right? Yeah, you see you see them in their house wearing regular clothes. You you get a little bit of like the behind the scenes access, and so I think a lot of fans are like, hey, this is a great way um, beyond the the polished YouTube video that they put out. Uh, just a great way for me to. Get behind, get behind the scenes a little bit and and uh, support this person financially, but also get just get a little bit more invested. I'm so invested in this person already. I already watched them. Let me get a little bit more. Uh, let me just get a little bit more. 
right? I, I want to invest in more personalized content or just uh, want to be their friend or whatever, right? So, yeah. And to your, to your earlier question, you asked about you know, how we're different and, and what, we're, what we're aiming to do. You know, more recently, we've been really trying to lean into that interactivity. So we recently started allowing fans to be able to upload an Instagram link uh, and soon to be other social links as part of the request. And so in terms of having that deeper interactivity with the, the creator, um, let's say I'm, let's say I, I, I want to request, I'm really into Daniel Cormier, for example, the UFC sure. fighter. Let's say you're, you're super into that. You can upload um, an Instagram video of one of his last fights or one of his old posts and say, hey, what do you... Like, what did you think about that? What, were you, what was going through your mind when you executed that move in, in the cage, right? Or you could upload a, an Instagram post of your friend that you want him to, to roast, for example. And Daniel Cormier will then have that context. The video will be more fun, just a better, higher quality video. And then when you get it back, you'll see the two pieces of content side by side as the fan. You'll see the Instagram post and you'll see the, the talkie video. And that's just more fun, more shareable, and just more rich and interactive all the way around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's a good feature moving forward. Or, you know, do you anticipate kind of other you know features down the line that you're either working on or considering working on that will make, I guess, the experience richer or more interactive? Oh, totally. Yeah. I, so some of our smaller features, some are larger features. For example, on the smaller side, it's just giving giving quality of life tools for the creator, saying, "Hey, like." You rejected a request because it was unsavory or just it was unclear or something. Let's give you let's give you as the creator a way to message the the, the requester, message the fan to say why you were you know why you rejected the video. Uh, coming out with tipping next week, which is a, it's a lot of potential for for that. Things like vacation mode, where if, if, if a streamer or a celebrity is on a vacation, they can go on vacation mode for a bit. But just just tools to make it easy to adjust the profile, to adjust their price, to uh, to do things like that. So. Um, there's a whole there's a whole thread of interesting features where we're contemplated to kind of make things a little bit more integrated, a little bit more seamless. Nice, nice, nice. That sounds very exciting, you know, on the you know perspective of the fan. You know, in terms of creators, like what do they get out of it other than you know the, the healthy side income and personal satisfaction on on meeting their fans essentially, right? What what is it in it for them? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's just a tool for them, right? So yes, there's a financial motivation to it. There's a, there's, a, there's a way for them to engage with their fans in a different way. I think they view Taki as almost a different content platform in, in a sense, right? Like, hey, I can create a certain type of content on Taki and, and you know, that's interesting and that may make its way back into my community. But I think even beyond that, it's just, it's just becoming, Taki is becoming more and more integrated into the existing social fabric, right? So if a creator is already on YouTube, and doing a bunch of stuff on YouTube, they're leveraging Taki to say, "Hey, I don't have time to answer these comments on YouTube. But you can go to Taki, and I'll, you know, and this is a great place to to go do that. I don't, I don't have to let some of these questions that I'm getting asked on YouTube detract from what I'm what I'm doing, right? Or, you know, if I'm if I'm on Instagram, I'm not I'm not going to be able to get to all the, the comments, right? So Taki provides a nice layer where the creator can have a little bit more control, still interact with all those fans on an individual basis, but just create a little bit more of a structured experience to do so. I can see that because uh, definitely the, the structure, the structure aspect is very important because for creators with even, even doesn't even have to be a relatively large following, even just, you know, small, small, I mean, by small, I mean like over 10,000 you know, followers, it can get overwhelming sometimes with the amount of requests or, or, or just comments in general from, from people or from fans looking to just get noticed, really. That's, that's as simple as that, right? So. Totally. And you asked a question of, 
who are we going after? Like, what, what is a creator? What is a digital celebrity? Who's ideal? And initially we were like, yeah, we got to get the biggest people. We have to get people who have millions of subscribers, tens of millions of, of followers. And, and yes, they can do well on, on talking for sure because people just want access to those people. But we've seen some of the most successful people be some of those quote unquote micro influencers. Um, you're the ox. Some of these other folks, for example, have you know, 10, 20,000, 30,000 Instagram followers, which is, is considered a micro influencer yet they have these rabid followings. Um, in fact, they're, they're oftentimes more rabid than some of the larger folks because you're part of this like niche, you're part of this, this cult and you've, you've maybe you've interacted directly with this creator before, right? And so we've seen those people drive as much transaction volume as some of the, some of the bigger folks because it's just, it's just more authentic and you know, that, that artist is leaning into it more and, and, and promoting it uh, properly and using it you know, the way it's supposed to be be used right which is not just for financial gain but to provide something really interesting and authentic to the community right for sure and i think that definitely targeting the the micro influencers is uh, is a pretty good way to go i mean of course obviously if you have some bigger names that want to be on the platform by all means you know let's go ahead right? again uh, but for them it, it can generally be treated as oh it's just another platform to to gain influence whereas for some of these micro influencers it may be you know, the primary way for them to personal, personally reach out to fans. And so I think that that is a beautiful way of uh, encapsulating that or growing that, you know, person-to-person relationship and to convert those fans into super fans, essentially. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I think that, you know, is uh, fantastic. And, and, I, and I think, like, for, for any creator who is listening right now, like, uh, if they're interested, actually, in, in joining, how can they do so? Yeah, so there's there's two ways. The main way is they can go to Taki.app and right on the main page, there's a creator sign up button. Um, the link to that site is actually go.taki.app, go.taki.app, and they can uh, put in their information to join the waitlist and we'll you know really quickly be in, be in touch with them. Or they could reach out to me directly on Twitter at mvelank, so at M-V-E-L-L-A-N-K, uh, and reach out to me directly. We could, uh, we could figure it out. I guess on, on on the flip side, when when you know Taki was just were just starting out, leave like you, you know you did a lot of just personal outreach to to different creators, right? How was that process like? Was it you know because trying to grow a network from scratch can be incredibly daunting, right? Yeah, it's the hardest part of startups. Honestly, it's it's this cold cold start problem, this bootstrapping problem where it's like you don't have a product, you don't have any credibility. How do you how do you convince people? And so. But on the flip side, the people that you bring on at the beginning are your biggest advocates, right? They're your early adopters. And so if people understand the value prop that, hey, on Taki, you get all the economics. On Taki, you can have deeper, more personalized interactions with your fans. If that's something you're interested in, let us know, right? And so that resonated pretty well with all the categories of of celebrities that we're in right now. And so it really was just a, a direct reach out process. It was just reaching out via Instagram and Twitter DMs, emailing people, um, other folks who have done personalized videos and in some way in the past potentially and just volume just just asking them and then we were pretty surprised at the the uptake uh, folks were like yeah it seems there's, there's no risk for me like worse it happens is i make a profile i don't i don't engage with it i don't get any orders and so for folks that were that were forward thinking um it was a no-brainer just to just to just to try something and i think these days like so many digital creators are struggling on these larger platforms and they're they're always looking for ways to get more control, create new revenue streams, get off of the, the sort of ad 
dollar teat, as you will, on, on YouTube yes. and Twitch and some of these platforms where you know, you're not the creators aren't getting the they're not getting the best deal, right? Like they're like those the big platforms are getting the best deal, right? They're they're making money on celebrities, right? Because that's the economic model that yeah, of course, of the big platforms, that's how they're designed. The the house always wins in that case. House always wins, and it's not just that. It, you can get demonetized. Your okay. your content can get censored. Very much, very much. Um, ad you know, ad dollars are very much utterly controlled. Yes. Yeah. So there's a huge friction there. I mean, certainly large celebrities make a lot of money and do really well on those platforms, but there's a whole mid to long tail of emerging folks that um, I think is going to increase over the coming years quite a bit that we're really focused on, uh, who, who are all growing super fast, who all are all really interested in, in cultivating the communities. And uh, it's, it's, it's dicey on the, on the platforms that they're at. There's a natural tension between, between those platforms and, and the creators that build their audience on those platforms. And so I think you'll see, outside of Taki, I think you'll see a whole, uh, a whole ecosystem of, of creator tools, companies right. building, building software and platforms to, to help these creators do more things with the audience that they've already built. That, that, that's right, without being entirely reliant on, on any of the big platforms, right? Exactly, exactly. You can see those with, you know, different, uh, you know, membership sites or, you know, or different kinds of, you know, you know just tools for, for getting direct access to the content, whatever may be the case, right? So. Yeah, there's a lot of tools for, for podcasters, for example. That are <laughs> yes, there is, there, there, there is actually. <laughs> yeah. So obviously it's, it's you know, every... Um, different, you know, type of uh, thing or, or content creation that you do, they'll have its own set of tools. Like, you know, you know, there, you know, imagine there'll be a whole bunch of tools for YouTube, for example. Obviously, there are, uh, for Twitch streaming, there are definitely a bunch of tools for that. And, and, and so, yeah, it's it's all very distilled in this way. And I think that we'll we'll keep seeing an increase in in these ways of getting creators or getting getting creators to be more in control of what they do with their content. Absolutely. I know we talked a, you know, a lot about Taki as the organization. Now I really wanted to touch upon Taki and your involvement in it, you know, as the, as the head of growth. So how, you know, has that process or, or as general manager, uh, how has that process been like and how does it feel leading a team while still being, you know, self-identifying as an introvert? Yeah, it's really interesting because in, at least in the field of venture capital, you're more or less an individual contributor, right? You're, you're just running on your own and, and, and you're working at a venture capital firm and it's, it, that's just the way it, way it is. Now in a general manager role, it's, it's kind of like it sounds, you're generally managing things, right? So um, the word general manager and head of growth is, can be a little bit interchangeable, but yeah, effectively I manage everything from product and engineering, uh, what we're building in the app, what the roadmap is, all the way to all the all the business teams, right? So everything from business development to customer service, community, uh, PR, finance, all, all those different different areas, and they all have to kind of hang together appropriately, right? I mean, you, you build product, you ship product, and then you need to uh, run all the operations associated with that product. You need to grow your creator base. You need to you know, grow, grow, grow your user base. Um, so it's it's a lot. It's hectic, but it's super fun because you get to have insight into all the different parts of the business, and you get to learn about all the different parts of the business. And how you know, and how you know, where we're strong, where we're weak, and how we how we configure the organization. And so it's been it's been really interesting. I think to your comment about being an introvert and doing that, I think I think it's just about identifying your own strengths and weaknesses, right, and being proactive about 
setting yourself up for success with your strengths and kind of disarming your weaknesses or, or figuring out ways to kind of make your, your weaknesses tenable, right? And so I uh, thought a lot about that as I think about who I hire, who I bring into the organization, how we run meetings, how we, how we sort of just generally operate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to, you know, your point about kind of, you know, managing, managing teams and managing kind of different, you know, things from an operational standpoint, right? What, you know, did, did you ever have to feel like you have to be more extroverted to do those types of functions to, to really be a spokesperson or to, you know, be really that person to, to, you know, motivate and, and to, you know, lead a team you know, in, that, in that sense, or did you just, you know, feel like you just were just yourself and, and people, you know, were, were okay with that? Yeah. I, I think there's many, there's many ways to success in, or, in, in startups and in, in leadership roles, I'll, I'll, I'll say. And so there, there's a stereotype of like, oh, you've got to be like a Steve Ballmer type, right? You have to, you have to be out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. cheering wildly at every like, or the first game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you need to be like a, a cheerleader and, and just, just this like complete, this totally charismatic leader. But I don't, I don't think it's necessarily the case. In fact, most of the leaders at our companies are, are very, of introverted, thoughtful, kind of firm thinkers, and, and they listen, and they make really good business decisions, and people, res- it's just a respect thing, right? So again, I think playing to, to my strengths and weaknesses, it's, it's you know, we're not, we're not having, I'm not creating like 30-person meetings, and we're, we're always hanging out in huge groups. Like, I do better in individual one-on-one meetings. I do better in small groups, right? I, I make sure we're communicating those ways, uh, and this is exactly what I did when I was in venture capital as well. I I, I kind of stacked the cards in a, in a way that made more sense for, for me um, and where I know I communicate better. Um, that being said, similar to in, in venture, I did a lot of writing. Like I, I, I started a blog. It was actually one of the top consumer blogs in the Valley at one point. And I, and I really just sat there and used my superpower at the time, which I thought was being really thoughtful and being a good writer and, and, and to publish that. And so it's the same thing when you're a leader at a company, it's not, it's not all just like standing up there and, and giving talks and, and town hall meetings and all that sort of thing. It's a mix of verbal communication, written communication. We're publishing stuff on our blog. We're emailing and DMing creators, sure. And then we're talking, you know, we're talking to them sometimes, but we're writing to them at other times. And so it's just a mixture of things. I do some of the communications, but we have others on the team that do other parts of the communications, both internally and externally, right? And so it's definitely not something you figure out day one. You just kind of take it day by day, week by week, and uh, build and learn as you as you go. Mm-hmm. And and I guess you know to to follow follow up. I mean, what are the kind of top lessons that you've learned from being in a leadership role in in a, in a growing company? You know, what what are the top three? I would say you know for for people who are you know looking to to you know, to, to build a startup or to, to lead a company, you know, what are the top three leadership tips you would have for them? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good question. I think there's a, probably a lot of good resource, a lot of good books and articles to read on that. I, th- I think it's, I don't know if I could boil it down to three, but I think it's just, it's just being. Uh, the three was just very arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> you can pick, like, and you can pick like from two of the 25. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's just, 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 being a good listener, right? Like just, just being humble, knowing that you don't, you don't have all the answers. You don't know everything, right? Just, just, just being humble and, and, and transparent uh, and listening, listening to, to really smart people who are you know, specialists in their own areas. I think it's, it's being really good about communicating and having one-on-ones and having 
honest, open, transparent communications for the people that work for you, uh, but also with the, the other leaders at the company to make sure you're kind of seeing above and you're seeing, you know, you're seeing below and across, right? But honestly, I, I don't think there's any good, like, one size fits, like, every company's different, every organization is different. Um, there's different DNA that's required at different companies and startups, depending on what they're going after, right? Like, a, like a, an open source infrastructure software company is going to have a different DNA in terms of what that organi- organization looks like versus an e-commerce company, right? right. And so I think it's just, you got to listen, you got to be humble, and you got to think about the type of business and market that you're in. Uh, and just, you just got to make smart decisions. I think experience helps when there's process involved and there's like kind of a, a known way to do things. It's great to have somebody who has experience doing that type of thing, right? But I think a lot of being in a startup is just, you're, you're just fishing in the unknown, right? You're in a new market, there's a new product and service. And so you oftentimes don't want to do stuff the traditional way. You just want to think about, hey, what's the smartest way to do something? And let's just try to do that. And you'll just make a ton of mistakes and then the goal is to just move forward and keep learning from your mistakes so you're on the right path. Wow, fantastic. You know, you, you know, you heard them that, you know, for all you listeners, that is very, very good uh, leadership advice, uh, you know, right there. So, um, you know, thank you for that. And uh, yes, one one last thing I've always, I, I, I've been curious about also is that you mentioned, you know, quite earlier that, that Taki is the first product for, for Rally. And so what does the future hold for, for you know, for Rally as the, uh, as the um, quote-unquote umbrella organization? What's next? Yeah, so a lot of it we're, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping under wraps somewhat. But what I can say is we're really focused on building tools for creators, as I said before. And I think with blockchain, the really interesting thing is we can start to create custom branded cryptocurrencies and digital assets that work for creators. And so um, just to kind of paint a little bit of a picture, you can imagine a world where Ninja, I had a, a, a top Twitch streamer, for example, you can imagine a world where Ninja has his own custom branded cryptocurrency, his own little micro economy, where he's got his own Ninja kind of assets that you can buy, sell, trade, and his community is participating in that value exchange directly. And so that's a little bit to give you a taste of where we think the world's headed. And so we're trying to build into that into that direction and, and build some of these very like entry level lightweight tools because this technology is very nascent and, and very kind of hard to understand. Just just to help creators and fans dip their toes into this into this world where everything's better from an economics perspective and from an ownership and control perspective in this world um, because these are open source kind of tools that we're building, community tools, as opposed to extractive, monopolistic kind of middleman companies, right? Which has been the, the sort of history of the internet over the past kind of 10 or 15 years. Right, I would argue it's kind of the democratization in a sense, right? Of giving power back to the creators, yeah. Correct. Instead right. of conforming to the platforms that are available. Mm-hmm. Totally, yep. Perfect. Fantastic. I really wanted to, um, you know, really thank you for, for your time and, and to, for coming on to the show. It was really insightful and learning more about, you know, kind of your motivations behind, you know, your, your own career and for, for Rally and, and, and Taki in particular. So thank you for coming on again. No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Godwin. Fantastic. And for people who want to, you know, contact you or follow you for, for more information, where can they do so? Yeah, Twitter is the best. Just just DM me or, or tweet at me at mvelank. So at m v e l l a n k, and yeah, you can find me on Twitter and I'll I'll respond. Well, there you go. Fantastic. Thank you so much, and we'll catch up soon. 
Cool. Thanks, Gamba. Thanks for listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at D-I-G-I-I-N-T-R-O-S-H-O-W. And you can follow me on all social platforms at G-O-D-W-I-N-H-S-C-H-A-N. I appreciate everyone who listens to the show and let's change the world quietly.